Welcome to today's edition of the College Experts Talk podcast, the resource for parents and students navigating the college planning process. Felicia Gopal, founder of collegefundingresource.com and creator of the College Decision Navigator System, talks with world-class college planning experts who openly and honestly share the triumphs and challenges families face every day in helping their children get into and pay for the colleges of their choice. We want you to feel like you're sitting down with our experts and getting their best ideas without paying their considerable consulting fees. So sit back and relax as Felicia interviews others about the issues and concerns of selecting colleges, competing for a coveted place in a class, and ultimately paying for the colleges that admit your kids. Hello, Felicia Gopal here from College Expert Talk Podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us and welcome you to today's podcast. Today we're going to be learning more about one of the biggest stressors on our students, the SAT. Each year approximately 2 million students take the SAT, and if you're a parent with a student who will be one of those 2 million students taking the SAT this year, you want to pay close attention to today's guest. When I took the SAT way too long ago, it was important, but its significance really seems to have grown in this era of competitive colleges as parents and students put increasing stress upon themselves to score as highly as they can. And it's developed a cottage industry that's really attached with people who are, like myself, all committed to getting students into the right school, as well as having private tutors, SAT tutors, who can help you with the test, as well as classroom teaching and millions and millions of books on the SAT, or at least it looks like it when you go into a bookstore. So my guest today is Barry Kramer. Barry graduated magna cum laude from University of Pennsylvania in English, as well as he also got a JD from NYU, New York University School of Law. And while he was there at NYU, he was the student editor of the Annual Survey of American Law, and he practiced for a number of years in the city of New York. He is an expert on the SAT, and he's been a longtime teacher, uh, tutor of the SAT. And with me today, I've got Barry Kramer. Barry, welcome to the call. Thank you very much, and thanks so much for having me. All right. It's my pleasure. You know, when I took the SAT years ago, it just seemed like it was really, really important. But now it really seems to increase in importance. Uh, Would you say that in the time that you've been a tutor, the significance, the stress upon students has really changed in, in the time that you've been doing this? Yeah, I think that as time has passed, the importance of the SAT and the importance that it plays in the college admissions decision has certainly grown. It seems as though college admissions are more competitive than ever, and the SAT, of course, is one of the real significant players in the admissions decision. So absolutely, the SAT and standardized testing is of very great importance these days with college admissions. So let me just kind of back up and ask you the question. How did you get to become the director of the Northern New Jersey Office of SAT Tutoring Organization? Well, I always was very strong in academics and standardized test taking. I grew up on Long Island, and I attended my local public high school, and I was valedictorian. 
And from there, as you've said, I went to the University of Pennsylvania. I wanted to become a lawyer, so I, I took the LSAT while I was in college, and I scored well into the 99th percentile on that test. And straight from college, I went to NYU Law School. And straight from NYU Law School, I went into practicing commercial litigation in the city for about five years. And at that point, I wanted to switch over to something in an educational field. And that's how I got involved with tutoring standardized tests. This was about 1998 or so. And I discovered Advantage Testing and went to work for Advantage Testing in its New York City office. And after several years of good success with the New York City office, I relocated to New Jersey, and I was given the responsibility of running Advantage Testing's location in New Jersey. We have an office in Short Hills near the Short Hills Mall, and we also see students all in a variety of other places around the state. All right. So like yourself, I was somebody who was very good at standardized testing, so taking the SAT was not necessarily intimidating for me, but I definitely found that being familiar with the test was helpful for performing well on the test. Do you find that to be true in your business? Absolutely. I would say even as far as saying the greater a student's familiarity is with the SAT, the more likely he or she is going to be successful, as opposed to going in cold and not knowing what is going to be on the test, students who have done some sort of preparation and even extensive preparation have a tremendous advantage in terms of knowing exactly what to expect, what's going to be coming down the pipe, the types of questions they're going to see, how to handle those questions, how to manage their time effectively. Familiarity with the test is invaluable in scoring well on the SATs. Great. You know, that's been my experience. And as I go out and I talk to more and more students about that, that's one of the things that I truly emphasize is how invaluable preparation for the SAT is to scoring well. So you've told me how important it is to prepare for the SAT. Could you just take a couple of minutes and tell me a little bit about the structure of the SAT in terms of the SAT, the scoring, registration, you know, all the basics of the SAT scoring and the SAT as you know it? Sure. The SAT it consists of three sections, each of which has a score out of 800 points. The first section is called Critical Reading. And that is a 67-question section that is about 25% vocabulary-based questions and about 75% questions based on reading passages. Then, of course, there's a math section, and the math section is 54 questions, and it covers high school math content through about Algebra 2. And then the newest section on the SAT is called the writing section, and it consists of 49 multiple choice questions that relate to students' grammar. And those questions represent about 70% of the writing score. The other 30% of the writing score is based on a 25-minute essay that the students write at the very beginning of the test. And that score is graded on a scale of 1 to 12. And the essay score is combined with the multiple choice score to produce an overall writing score, again, out of 800. So the highest possible score on the SAT would be 2,400 if a student were to score 800 on each section of the test. As far as registering for the test goes, typically you have to do it 
about a month in advance, and most students would register online and register to take it at a local school. And most students take the SATs in 11th grade, and some of them choose to take it again in 12th grade if they're looking to improve their scores beyond what they did in 11th grade. All right. So that gives us a lot of the background on the SAT. I have an audience that are parents who have gone to college, and so they're familiar with the SAT, but I also have a, a contingent of parents who listen to my podcast who have not gone to college. And so they hear these letters bandied about in terms of the SAT, PSAT. Could you just take a couple minutes and explain the difference between the two and what they're used for? Sure. The PSAT is sort of like a preliminary SAT that's given toward the beginning of 11th grade, and its purpose is to give students an idea of where they stand with the SATs and what they're likely to do if they were to take the SATs. The PSAT is given in mid-October of 11th grade, although it's very common for 10th graders to take it as well and then repeat it in 11th grade. The PSAT is very similar to the SAT in terms of content and in terms of scoring. In fact, in terms of content, the only significant difference between the two is that the PSAT lacks the essay component. It's also important to note that the PSAT is a shorter test than the SAT. There are fewer questions involved. So again, to reiterate, the purpose of the PSAT is to give families a generalized idea of where their children stand with respect to the SAT that they would be taking subsequently. All right. So the PSAT is kind of a gauge of how you might do on the SAT, and it could also tell you whether or not you need to do some additional preparation. So that really kind of speaks to my next question, which is how far in advance should a student begin to study for the SAT? Well, that can vary a lot from student to student. Philosophically, advantage testing views the SAT as a very challenging test, but also as an opportunity to use test preparation as a tremendous learning experience and also as an opportunity for great intellectual enrichment in working with a tutor. When exactly a student should begin preparing really depends on how ambitious the student is. I would say, generally speaking, there is a correlation between the length of preparation and the improvement that a student achieves on the SAT. As a practical matter, about half of the students that Advantage Testing sees in its New Jersey office begin either in the second term of 10th grade or the summer after, and the other half begin roughly at the beginning of 11th grade. So that gives us an idea of about when preparation can begin. There are sometimes other factors that may be in the mix that would affect when preparation should begin. Some of those would be athletics. Very often, athletes need to produce scores earlier on in the process because college coaches need to know scores in order to determine who they can get admitted to their teams. So athletes are typically taking the SATs a little earlier in the process than most other students. So athletics would be a reason to start the SATs earlier or start your preparation for the SATs earlier. Also, for students who are very high achievers, they might want to do very well on the PSAT and earn national merit commendation. 
which is something that is earned by success on the PSAT. So for students who are aiming high and wanting to achieve National Merit Commendation, that would be a reason to start your preparation earlier, as the PSAT, as I mentioned, is given in October of 11th grade. Also, those same students who are applying to the most competitive colleges typically have to take an additional level of testing called the SAT subject tests. They're also known as the SAT-2s, and those are one-hour-long tests in different subjects such as U.S. history, sciences, foreign languages, things of that nature. So if you've got to also be doing testing on the SAT-2s, that would be a reason to get your SAT-1 preparation started earlier because you're going to have more testing to do as the 11th grade situation plays out. So what I heard you say was athletes may have to start their preparation earlier, as well as students who are looking to go to competitive colleges might need to also start their preparation earlier so that they would also have time to prepare and take the SAT-2s. That's correct. So there were two audiences that you said may need to do it, and just students who just want the extra time so that they can thoughtfully go through the material of the SAT in preparation for doing well would also seem to benefit from starting their preparation earlier. Absolutely. As I said, there is a general correlation between the, the length that a student prepares for the SAT and the amount that he or she improves. I think that's a key importance. There is a correlation, as Barry was saying, between the amount of preparation that you take and the amount that your test taking improves. If you take nothing else away from this podcast, I think it's really important that you listen to that one statement. So, as I said, we always talk about the alphabet soup of test taking. We've talked about the PSAT. We've also talked about the SAT. And some of the students will also take the ACT, which I know that Advantage Testing also offers. But what's the difference between the SAT and the ACT test? Okay, so the ACT is a different test from the SAT, and it represents another means to get into college, another avenue of standardized testing. And the tests have significant areas of overlap, but they also have significant differences. Among the important differences, well, let me begin by stating what the four sections on the ACT are. There's an English section, or a section called English, which essentially tests grammar, much in the way the SAT tests grammar. There's a math section. There is a reading comprehension section, as both of those sections appear on the SAT. And then there's an additional fourth section on the ACT called the science section. It's called the science section, although that's a little bit of a misnomer. It doesn't quite test your fundamental knowledge of science as it does your ability to interpret data and graphs and experiments and things of that nature. That's really what the crux of the science section is all about. So one of the most important differences, of course, is the presence of the science section on the ACT and nothing comparable to it on the SAT. Among the other important differences, the ACT gets into more advanced math. It gets into math that students would be seeing typically in a pre-calculus course. The SAT does not get into math quite as advanced. A lot of people would say that on the math section and the reading comprehension section of the ACT that the questions are more of a straightforward nature, 
And I think that that's a fair observation. The reading comprehension on the ACT tends to be more of a factual nature as opposed to SAT reading comprehension, which is more of an inferential type nature. Also, the ACT imposes more significant time constraints, I would say, on a student than does the SAT. In other words, it's a little more difficult to finish the ACT on time than it is the SAT. Many students report that, particularly with respect to the reading comprehension section of the ACT and the science section of the ACT. It's very helpful to be a fast worker to do well on those two sections of the ACT. Among the important differences on the SAT, well, we've already alluded to the fact that it involves less advanced math and that it involves more inferentially based reading comprehension that gives you more time to work with it, but questions that require more interpretive reading by the student. Barry, yep. let, me, yep. let me just, do you mind if I interrupt just for a minute? Please. So when you talk about reading comprehension and you were talking about it being inferential, is there another way to describe that? Yeah, absolutely. ACT questions tend to ask just about facts of the reading passage, stuff that is available just by reading the passage, asking you for information that's stated directly in the passage, whereas the SAT asks questions that are more nuanced and involves taking the material and drawing out its implications and interpreting it. Okay. That's really what I was trying to get at. Okay. Then the other real significant difference is that the SAT tests vocabulary quite significantly and the ACT not nearly as much. So it's really important for the SAT that a student have or develop a good vocabulary. Or That's at absolutely least be correct. Studying um, vocabulary work. Particularly for success on the critical reading section of the SAT, expanding your vocabulary is really key. Okay. And how might somebody spend some time expanding their vocabulary? Well, what we do with advantage testing is we have our students review word lists. We have lists that are based on the frequency of certain words that have appeared in the past on the SAT. These are standardized tests, so there tends to be a repetitiveness among them. And there are certain words that tend to repeat over time on the SAT. So we have word lists that our students work on and we give them weekly word list assignments, and those are backed up with weekly quizzes and also review quizzes along the way so that words are sort of dredged up from the bottom of the pile back to the top. And we have found that to be a very effective way to expand one's vocabulary. Okay, great. So let me ask you, is there a range of scores that you've seen your students obtain who were interested in attending the competitive colleges? Well, sure. Our students see a variety of score improvements. The score improvements that we see tend to vary with respect to a number of factors. Important among those factors, I would say, are a given student's starting point, how long the student works for, as I said before, that there tends to be a correlation between the length of the program and the amount of improvement. Of course, how hard a student works in the program will affect score improvement. Another factor that will affect score improvement is how frequently the student takes the SATs, as you're allowed to take it more than once, and it's very common to see improvement from test to test. So there's really, as I said, a number and variety of factors that affect the types of improvements that our students see. So while you couldn't say that it's gone up X 
point, you can say that the amount of work that you put into it, the length of time that you put into it, will make a difference in your test-taking ability and your score improvement. I think it's true of so many things in life that the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Absolutely. Well, that is so true. That is so true. So let me just kind of step back and ask you if somebody was going to engage advantage testing, what exactly is it that you would do in order to prep a student for the SAT? Well, we would start off by giving the student a diagnostic exam to sort of establish a baseline starting point and also to provide some insight into a student's given strengths and weaknesses. And then we would spend a couple of months teaching the student about the test. And going on during that period would be a lot of note-taking in a notebook by the student. We would be teaching them about the kinds of questions that they would encounter on the critical reading section and the methodologies that are appropriate for that. We would be doing a fair bit of math content and also teaching them certain strategies that are applicable specifically to mathematics standardized tests. And we would also be teaching them the nuts and bolts of grammar, as many students are not taught that in school. Then gradually, our program would evolve into a practice testing regimen, where our students would come to our offices on weekend mornings and take practice tests. And those are meant to be simulations of what the actual test is like, and to get the students familiar and comfortable with taking the test. And at that point, the students' meetings with their tutors would be about going over the practice test and trying to learn from their mistakes and filling in the notebook as indicated by what they might miss on their practice test and hopefully each practice test experience being more positive than the last and building and building toward a readiness to take the test for real. Okay. So it definitely sounds like it's very comprehensive. It also sounds like, going back to one of your comments earlier, it's very thorough, and the thoroughness of your program helps with score improvement. So for students who are considering a program like yours versus a college board practice exam, I could tell that there would be a lot more thoroughness and structure put into your program, but for students and parents who may not be able to necessarily afford a program like that, do you have any other suggestions that they could go through in order to help their students be as successful as possible on the SAT? Well, personalized tutoring does represent typically the most expensive means of getting ready for the SAT. So for families that are looking for other options, a course, a classroom-based course, can be very effective and is typically quite a bit less expensive than private tutoring. And for families for which a classroom course isn't an option, then I would recommend getting the official SAT test guide and working independently in that book. That book is really the best guidebook available to provide a sense of what the SATs are really going to be like. And perhaps when a student encounters some difficulty in working independently in that book, he or she could take problems to their teachers in school and get some assistance that way. 
Okay. So it definitely sounds like taking the SAT is not like it was when I took it long ago, but it definitely sounds like there's a lot of programs out there to support students in being successful in it. The first, of course, is just taking the time to prepare yourself for the SAT. So could you share any final thoughts that you have about the SAT and what students need to do to prepare for it? Well, I think the most important message that I'd like to communicate is that the SAT is an important part of the college admissions process, but students should not be intimidated by it. They should get ready for it. They should prepare for it, and they should view it as a great opportunity to learn and to be intellectually enriched. And having that sort of a positive attitude is really ideal. You know, I don't think... That many students will think of the SAT as an opportunity to get intellectually enriched, but I can see your point because it's about, I think that to a certain extent that SAT and SAT preparation is a microcosm of your life. It's about any time you're trying to be successful in anything, you've got to understand the process, get prepared for it, and then use it as an opportunity to learn something about yourself and to develop yourself. And I think that that's what I would take from your comment about intellectual enrichment. I agree completely. Okay. So if any of my listeners were interested in learning more about Advantage Testing, how and where would they get in touch with you? Well, we have a a wonderful website that contains lots of helpful information about our group, and it's simply AdvantageTesting.com. And that, of course, contains all the contact information for our group, but I would just take the opportunity to give my number is 973-652-652. 6250, and I'd be happy to speak to any of your listeners about working with Advantage Testing. All right, so you can find information about Advantage Testing at AdvantageTesting.com, and you can get a hold of Barry Kramer. And Barry, could you give me your telephone number again, please? Sure, the number is 973-652-6250, and my email address is posted on our website. All right, perfect. So if you want to learn any more about the college planning process, I invite you to visit our website at collegefundingresource.com. I also encourage my listeners to come back, keep coming back and listening to more of our podcasts. At College Funding Resource, you'll find that you can listen for free to guests like Barry, who have valuable information to share about all sorts of the college admission process. Barry, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and telling us more about how hiring a private tutoring organization can be beneficial to test takers, as well as sharing information about the SAT in general. And I want to thank all of my listeners for joining us today, and I hope you will join me again for the next installment of the College Expert Talk podcast. Barry, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the College Experts Talk podcast. We hope you will join us again for our next podcast where we will continue to legally share college insider information with parents and students from the insiders themselves. 
For more information and to instantly download your free copy of the College Funding Resources Report titled Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Mike Elmore for the College Experts Talk Podcast.